and I got pretty good pretty fast. So after like three months of me playing, I had another guy who kind of taught me how to play was like, Hey man, the, the world championships is in Flagstaff. Do you want to play? And I was like, Really? I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a fire truck driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? This is Blake Fletcher, the Half Hour Intern. Just want to remind everyone really quick that this is going to be the only episode released this week. And for the next few weeks, we'll just be doing one episode a week to allow us to spend some more time with our families around the holidays and curate some great content for you guys to start out next year with. Um, On to this week's episode. So in today's episode, I am interviewing Paul Ulibari, who is a professional disc golf player. So he is a professional, but we'll mostly just be talking about playing disc golf and how to pick up disc golf as a hobby. Um, what I think is so awesome about Paul's story and, and like actually a lot of the professions that are on the website is this all started out as a hobby for Paul and then he just completely fell in love with it and really became obsessed with the sport and that led to him being able to do this for a living as a full-time profession. His story is incredible. He went to his first world championship as an amateur after only playing for three months and managed to place four fourth out of the entire world um, as an amateur after only playing for three months. So Paul was really, really a prodigy at the sport and uh, has been ranked as high as the number three player in the entire world. He's actually married to the number one woman disc golf player in the world. So um, we'll get to hear about what the professional disc golf life is like. And then Paul is going to give us tons of tips about picking up disc golf as a hobby, which I recently have. And I think it is an awesome hobby to pick up. And most importantly, it's basically free. Almost all disc golf courses you can play at for free once you, you know, get your own set of discs to play with. So that is always a plus in my book. Without further ado, here is Disc Golf. Paul, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Hey, thank you so much for having me, man. This is going to be great. Yeah, definitely. So first of all, is your last name, what is it, Ulibari, Yulibari? How are we supposed to be saying that? You know, it's 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 both. It's Ulibari or Yulibari. Uh, it's a Spanish name, so Ulibari, that's like a right pronunciation. And then it, in English, it's just Ulibari. So okay. mostly people call me Ulibari. That's interesting. So like depending on where you're from, you'll say your last name differently and both are just totally cool. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I don't want to like correct people. Like in my family, we have a lot of Spanish people and they all call it Ulibari. So. Yeah, cool, man. Um, so let's start out with... Is it bad to call it Frisbee golf? Because I always called it Frisbee golf until I got... So you have got the coolest brother in the world. Um, I'm so happy that he reached out to me because I had already been thinking that I really wanted to interview somebody about what at the time I would have called Frisbee golf. But all throughout his email, it was written as disc golf. And then so... Uh, just so you know, he so your brother sent me a couple of links, a video of you. I watched the video and I was so inspired, like watching you play disc golf, that I immediately went on Amazon.com and I bought myself a set of discs and I went out and I, I live in San Francisco. So we have this beautiful, huge park here called Golden Gate Park that has like redwoods growing inside of it and all these other amazing trees. And so there's a free course to just play there. So I just went out the other day for my first time, and I had a great time. It was super awesome. But um, while I was there, there was this sign at this one side where um, there was kind of like a running trail that ran right next to the course. And there was a sign there that said, uh, beware, like, you are entering a disc golf course. Beware of flying discs. And I, I was just... Uh, so aware that, like that they never use the term frisbee ever is there some is it like bad to call it frisbee golf you know some some people think it's bad to call it frisbee golf or frolf or whatever but i like i i really like all the terms um it all goes back to the same place yeah but uh i'm pretty sure that there it had something to do with something uh maybe it was can't remember but there was a patent on frisbee golf and so disc golf couldn't be used you mean frisbee golf couldn't really be used because yeah i imagine it's like uh a yo-yo or something like that like i i imagine yo-yo is actually probably some company named yo-yo made the first yo-yo and now a billion people make yo-yos 
Right, but exactly. It's interesting that every, like every, you know, if you see people throwing a frisbee around at the beach or at the park or whatever it is, like the odds of that being a frisbee brand frisbee are like one percent, you know. Yeah, but exactly. it, everyone calls it a frisbee. No one just says, "Hey, toss me that disc, man." But uh, yet with frisbee golf, like you just can't call it that. That's so weird. I know. No, so yeah, with with disc golf, a lot of people just like to call it disc golf to try and get away from like the frisbee scene and stuff. Yeah. Well, it sounds a lot manlier and more serious. So I guess that's good. <laughs> so serious. <laughs> so, dude, tell us what uh, what made you want to get started and like when did you hear about it? At what age? What propelled this whole thing? Yeah, you know, it's a, it's kind of a funny story. I uh, had a good friend in high school um, and I played really all sports in high school. I was uh, on the golf team and and Sholo. Uh, and one of my buddies that I play golf with all the time, he had mentioned that him and his father were playing disc golf every once in a while. And I actually kind of made fun of him for it. I was like, you play disc golf, really? <laughs> you know. <laughs> so what, then, explain why that is. Well, I don't know. It was just like, uh, I didn't really know what disc golf was. And I pictured, you know, some, you know, back in the day, that's what we pictured is just like some hippies throwing in a Frisbee in the park or something and aiming at trees or something. You know, I, I really had no idea what it was. And so I was like, come on, dude, you're really playing Frisbee golf. And he tried to get me to go, trying to get me to go. And I just was like, you know, one day he was like, let's, let's go play Frisbee golf. I was like, all right, let's go do it. And uh, we went to the park, and there was actually a league going on that day that he was involved in. And they gave me, like, three discs. And I remember specifically watching this. There was this older older guy, and he threw, he threw a shot, and I was just like, you know, little kid, athlete. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to throw it, like, twice as far as that guy. And it's hard. <laughs> my first shot went straight up in the air and backwards. And I think <laughs> it went and I was like, oh my gosh, this is really hard. Yeah. And I was just instantly hooked. Um, from that day, I played, I probably played every week for, for years. I got my dad involved and he, I was 17 when I first started. So I got my dad involved and we would go almost every weekend and play. And then it just kind of progressed from there. I really got lucky to get on the path that I, that ended up getting me to where I am today because like it just kind of fell into place I played another league like a couple months later and I hit an ace and in disc golf when you're playing in leagues and stuff they have uh, an ace pool to where you could put like a dollar in or two dollars in and if you hit an ace you can get like 200 bucks or something but as a kid our league was really cool because instead of giving us money they gave us a choice to get a PDGA membership. The PDGA is the same as compared to the PGA. Like they have the PGA tour. We have the PDGA tour. And so I got a PDGA membership and it just so happened that with that PDGA membership, the world championships for amateurs was in Flagstaff, Arizona. And I got pretty good pretty fast. So after like three months of me playing, I had another guy who kind of taught me how to play. Was like, hey, man, the, the World Championships is in Flagstaff. Do you want to play? And I was like, really? I had no idea about like tournaments or anything. And I'm like, hey, yeah, sure. Let's do it. So my family helped me get the entry fee to go play um, in Flagstaff. I went out there. Um you say this is only three months after you very first picked it up? Yeah, it was three to four months. And um, it was funny. I showed up to the course. I had n I really didn't really even know the rules yet. And I was playing the world championships. I had like, my brother was big into fly fishing back then. And I had stole his uh, fly fishing bag and took like all the, all the stuff out of there and like had like five discs in, in my bag and stuff. It's pretty funny. Dude, so I that spawns this spawns a couple questions. So this is going to take us in a little bit of a different direction, but this spawns a couple yeah. questions from my experience the other day. And and again, this is my first time ever playing disc golf. So we only played through nine of the holes because it was starting to get really cold and the sun was going down. But um, so 
You mentioned your first experience and the Frisbee basically going behind you and thinking that you were going to be doing much better than this old guy. So we were on, I think, my buddy, my wife and I were on, I guess, like the second tee or something like that. And this guy came by and he was just by himself. And he's like, hey, you mind if I like play past you guys? And And we were like, yeah, no problem. Like, we don't know what we're doing, you know? And that guy, first of all, he had a bag full of like 15 discs. And I would love to know what the deal with that is. Second of all... He threw his frisbee so goddamn far. Like, it was absolutely unbelievable. He must have thrown it, like, seven times further than I was throwing mine. And, like, I thought I was throwing mine pretty far. Um, but this guy just absolutely launched it. What? First of all, what is this guy doing with 15 frisbees? Second of all, you had your first experience where you saw this old guy do way better than you and i had my first experience seeing an old guy do way better than me what is it that these old guys are doing right and what is it that you now know how to do right that when you are going out there as a beginner you're just completely not doing right well well one thing that i think a lot of people when they first start um they try and throw like a catch frisbee and as you know the difference between the catch actual ultimate lid or beach frisbee whatever people want to call it it's bigger um it has a deeper rim and it's not as heavy and so it has more glide as disc golf discs they have like a really sharp beveled edge disc and it's heavy and so it takes a lot more spin to get it to go further right Okay, so I didn't know any of this. <laughs> well, I mean, all the things that you said so far, I knew. Like when I got my my discs in the mail from Amazon, they looked definitely different and right. were a lot more heavy duty. I tried to play catch with with my wife, uh, very unfortunately for her, and just completely <laughs> injured her and gave her like this huge welt in her leg from the frisbee hitting her in the leg. But, uh, anyways, yeah, they're they're definitely very different. So you're saying you need to somehow spin it a lot faster to get it to fly the same way. Yeah, I mean, disc golf isn't isn't like playing catch. Um, the putter is a lot is probably the most similar to the actual an actual frisbee because it has the deeper rim, it has a little bit more glide. But as far as like the drivers and the mid range, um, they have a little bit of different uh, lip or rim on them. And so, yeah, you have to put more spin on them. It's more really, it's more of an athletic movement to. Like when you saw that guy throw it further than you guys or seven times as far as you guys. I mean, you could tell that the movement that he did was a lot probably different than what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, well, <laughs> certainly that. But I couldn't, you know, it's like it's all happening so fast. And also, I don't even know what the hell I'm doing. So it's like I, I can't pinpoint what we're doing differently, you know? Yeah. So the cool thing about uh, the modern age is kids or people just beginning into disc golf can go to youtube and find really step by step on how to get better from the run-up to the grip to uh the disc choice i mean it's all on there all right we'll get into more of the technique stuff later but right now give us give us just like a teaser like what is the uh what would you say is the most important thing like the thing that changed your game the most as a beginner as a beginner, what changed the most? Um, I think it was just learning how to properly release the disc, um, and and understanding that, like I like I had told you before, that it's not a frisbee that you don't throw it like a frisbee. That it takes a little bit more spin and, um, I guess yeah, whip spin. I was just going to say that. So I imagine you have to like whip your wrist a lot harder. Like, is it a lot more wrist than it is just like your arm and your elbow? You know, it's like, it's, it's just, it has a lot to do with timing. Um, getting your body to move forward in a way that it's, you're not going to hurt yourself, first of all, and that your body's just going to allow your, you know, your everything to open up fast and release it. I, it's a lot like, have you ever played tennis? Yes. Tennis, like a backhand in tennis, it has a lot to do with that. The movement that you make forward to like get a huge backhand hit. Um, or Damn it, Paul. I have a terrible backhand in tennis, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, really hard to like explain the movement that we do 
in words without just like looking at it and right, having someone it's right not there. like something it's not like other sports like i can't just be like you know i can give you like the tennis re- reference or like a baseball swing or something yeah for sure um all right so let's get back to uh you going to that first world championship when you had only been playing for three months which is so crazy so you obviously decided to well i shouldn't say obviously i assume you did since you're a, a a pro now but did you go to that world championship yeah i did I, I went to the world championship um like i said i only had a few discs i had a uh my brother's fly fishing bag um and my dad took me uh and i played and oh man it was an awesome experience i got to play with a lot of good players i actually um that was my first ever pdga tournament and i got to play who is now the four-time world champion. It was both of our first tournaments, which is really crazy. Wow, awesome. And I ended up making the final nine. And uh, in disc golf at the world championships, you play six or seven rounds. And then the best scores, the top four best scores, get to play an additional final nine so people can watch you. And I was in the 16 and under division. And I made the final four scores, but I didn't know about the final nine because I'd never played a tournament. And I was sitting there and this kid, his name's Paul Macbeth, who uh, is now the four time world champion. Uh, at this time, we were, we were little kids, you know, and we were talking and he's like, so how'd you play? And I'm like, you know, I played really good. I got fourth. And he's like, fourth. Are you sure? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, dude, you're supposed to play final nine like right now. <laughs> so, so i had to like run across the whole entire park to make my final nine and stuff that's so funny yeah how long does does 18 holes like are you playing multiple 18 hole rounds on one day or is it spaced out like it would be for a golf tournament yeah you know the world championships is really the only tournament that has more than four rounds um there's a few t- tournaments a year that we play where it'll have like four rounds and maybe a final nine but for the most part it's usually either three to four rounds per tournament um two day tournaments mostly some day sometimes three days and then when you get to the bigger tournaments which we have tiers of tournaments um we have things it's called c tier which is our lowest tournament so that's like a smaller one and then we have a b tier a tier which is a super tour and then we have the national tour and then the majors and the national tour is really our highest tournaments uh where you have multiple like more than four uh, it as they go up in like prestige and difficulty like that is there also kind of more money being poured into it absolutely and yeah who is it like also who is put has that changed a lot i imagine since you started like the amount of money that's in the sport and who are the advertisers and who are the people um that are making like prize pools for a big event right well they're tournament directors and since i started you're right that i mean since i started the sport has just completely blown up um and it and we're like in a time right now where any second it's going to be like really really big in my opinion like when i first started there were um it was still kind of stuck in in like a almost a recreational sport type thing and i've been playing for 10 years in the last three years i feel like it as far as on a professional level it's just completely blown up as far as like athletes getting involved and kids coming pretty much straight out of high school and playing on the tour and getting good and you know, um, the sponsorship comes from really the disc manufacturers right now. Right. There's several different disc manufacturers. Um, the biggest one is Innova Discraft. I'm sponsored by Prodigy Discs, which is a newer company. And um, we have other sponsors that come in and help uh, with the smaller tournaments, with wherever the tournaments are. Um, you know, you get local, maybe like a skate shop to sponsor, like stuff like that. It's really kind of the same as like, a uh, the way skateboarding works or the way, uh, local competition for BMX would work. Right. Right. So what kind of prize money are we talking about for like the biggest events of the year? 
the biggest events of the year. There's a the World Championships, and that's our biggest tournament as far as if you win that tournament, that's where you're probably going to get the most money from your sponsorships and then the prize pool. The prize pool, I think, is right around six to $8,000. Wow, nice. But, but then if you win that, then like the bonuses you get from your sponsors are, are pretty, pretty lucrative. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Casey Badger somebody that we had on was kind of telling us about that whole world with, with BMX that once you get sponsored, that your sponsor will give you like that, that will kind of be in your contract from a sponsor that, Hey, if you place in certain things, like depending on the level of it, here's how much money we're going to give you as a bonus, because they obviously really want you to be doing well. Yeah, it's really, really similar to exactly what Casey was talking about as far as, um, you know, getting in magazines, getting a bonus for magazines. Um, if we run clinics for like kids, like if we go to a school and, and we teach kids how to play disc golf or just introduce it to them, we'll get a bonus for that. If you get in the magazine, you get a bonus for that. Just a lot of different things that you can do. Wow, that's cool that they give you a bonus for uh, teaching kids. That's awesome. Yep. Um, so what uh, what do you place in that tournament? What happened? Uh, in the world championships? Yeah, your your very first one. That one yeah, I ended, up, I ended up placing fourth place. Wow, awesome, man. Yep, and then that just kind of got me addicted to the tournament play, you know. And the next year, I, I worked the whole year, and I went back to the amateur world championships, and I actually won the amateur world championships as an advanced player so i was an amateur world champion the next year damn awesome man so you mentioned the benefits of people nowadays which now i'm gonna have to as soon as i uh as soon as i get off the interview with you i'm gonna have to look at a whole bunch of youtube videos to find out what the hell i'm doing wrong um (laughs) but back in the day there wasn't youtube so did you have somebody that was helping you out when you first started or like did you track that old guy down and be like how did you just do that or um like you just figured (laughs) it out yourself that you were doing it wrong you know no i had a lot of good teachers um our local scene was very very small in Sholos. Sholos a very small town um where i grew up in i think it's a town of like maybe fifteen thousand people or something during the winter and then it i think it doubles during the during the summer but yeah there was like when i first started only six or seven people that played the league and probably only like 20 people who even played disc golf but the people that were there were actually pretty good i still play with one of the guys when i go back to phoenix he now lives in phoenix and i play with him almost every week the guy who really taught me a lot but i just watched the you know, the best players that were in Sholo at the time. And I tried to mimic what they were doing. And then it, you know, kind of morphed into my own style. And I kind of kept that. And, and I don't know, it just worked. You uh, know? So there was a course in Sholo, even back, even with so few players, like somebody established a course there. Yes. Yeah. There was a, there was a course when I first started, there was one course in Pine Top and literally weeks after I started they put another course in Sholo. Pine Top and Sholo are pretty similar. I mean, it's like 15 minutes apart, and it kind of is the same city in a way. Okay. And so I got lucky because when I started playing, I had two courses to play. One was really wooded and technical, um, and the other one was more wide open and had like distant shots. So where I learned, I got the best of kind of both worlds. I learned how to throw far because the courses demanded distance and i got to practice a lot on a course that demanded like accuracy yeah for sure i can't imagine what an impact you had on that town over the years it's got to be so interesting coming from such a small town in becoming so like fanatic about something like disc golf and a being uh like a fanatic about it and having this this great passion inside you for it and then B, having like very real success in it, like going up to being the number three ranked person in the world. Like when you go back or you you live in Sholo right now still? I do not. I live in uh, Phoenix. And right now I'm going we rent me and my wife rent a place in Tennessee. OK, so when you go back to Sholo, are there just like hundreds of kids play, like, you know, a really bizarrely large portion of the population of people playing disc golf compared to other cities? 
For how small it is, yes, it has a very, very big uh, disc golf community. Um, a lot of tournaments are run up there, and that actually doesn't have a lot to do with me. It has a lot to do with my brother. My brother um, was a BMX rider. Um, he actually rode with Casey Badger, a person that was on um, your podcast recently. And he would compete all over Arizona. And at the time, I would actually skateboard, and I would travel with my brother and watch him compete in BMX, and I would skateboard on the side a little bit. And then when I found disc golf, he didn't really enjoy it as much as I do. So he kept BMXing, and I kind of stopped skating, stopped playing golf, stopped playing basketball, everything. And I would just pretty much disc golf all day. And then I moved out, and I went on tour um, to play disc golf. And my brother took it up in his off time without me. And he actually is now a professional disc golfer also. Dang, crazy. Yeah, and so when I left, he became really good, really fast. Similar story to me. He went to the Am World Championships and took 10th. And then his professional career kind of blew up in Arizona. Like, he wins a lot of the local tournaments in Arizona now. And so he would run tournaments in Sholo and everything. And because of him and a bunch of other people, like, the there's a family called the Durants, and they've been really helpful in impacting Sholo with a lot of good influence. And yeah, it's, it's become a really, really big kind of disc golf mecca for a small town. Yeah. That's so interesting. What is it about disc golf that drew you to it so much? You mentioned all these other hobbies that you had at the time that you like dropped for disc golf. I I'm always so fascinated in hearing about people's passions and like what, pulls them to do something and that's part of the reason that i started this podcast is because i i love picking up new hobbies like all the time and uh and thinking about new ideas and whatever it is and yet i have to find something that that grips me like so singularly singularly to pull me towards it to drop other things or to to keep on pursuing that thing for years as opposed to for a few weeks and then moving on to the next thing and i hear people's stories like yours and i always wonder like are we just different types of people like is this what's in my personality but it it's uh like it's interesting that you had so many things going on before you started this and then you just dropped it all for this like why this I don't know it was just like uh it was just a, a really a super special connection I had with it um like I said the small town that I grew up up in I could go out and play by myself and it was like a connection I could have with myself like it was me time and then on top of it it was a way I could connect with my dad um, I used to stay with my dads on the weekends and my mom during the week. And so on the weekends, we would go just play disc golf. So it was an awesome way for me to connect with my father. And then I love competition, man. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's it's my favorite thing is just to compete in everything that I do. It doesn't matter what, you know, what it is. It could be a rock throwing contest. Like, I, I want to beat you if I'm <laughs> throwing rocks or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, you mentioned the time with your dad and stuff. I, I, that's something that is super nice about disc golf, and I imagine really appealing for anybody at any level is it's not it's not ruined by playing with someone that doesn't know what they're doing. You know, like e- anyone can throw a frisbee in the forward direction, except for apparently you the first time you tried. <laughs> like most people right. can throw a frisbee forward, you know? And even if the person doesn't throw it very far, like whatever, you walk up to the frisbee with them, they pick it up, they toss it again, it's all good. Versus if you try to take out somebody that has never golfed before to golf, it's going to basically be the worst day of your entire life. (laughs) It's going to be the worst day of both people's lives. Like the person that doesn't know how to golf is going to have a terrible time. The person that does know how to golf is going to have a terrible time. Taking someone skiing for the first time is the same way. Um, Like there's so many sports where when you're trying to show someone how to do it, like it's just terrible on both sides. And Frisbee golf is not that way at all. It's so... um, accessible for new people but it's also obviously something that you can spend a lot of time with and get a lot better absolutely yep i mean it it challenges everybody it's not like uh uh you know some super jock athlete can go out there and 
throw his first shot and be, you know, better than anybody. Like it takes time and it's not necessarily athleticism that'll make you good. It's uh, mm, just learning the proper technique, like I said, and, and uh, yeah, just practicing and, you know, it's so accessible too. Um, most courses are free, which is great. So all you have to do is buy two, three discs and then go out and play. I mean, it's great for families. It's great for maybe a first date or something. Yeah. Take your, take your girlfriend out and, you know, just toss a Frisbee around at some, at a target. Totally, man. I have been trying to, uh, to reduce my, my spending lately. And, uh, before buying those discs, I looked up to see if there was a course near me and, you know, I saw that there was the one in Golden Gate Park. And so it, it, they, you know, on the website, there was no price listed. And I'm like, oh, this must be some sort of error. So I looked everywhere I could. And finally, like one person in a Yelp review or something was like, I can't believe this is free. <laughs> and like only for me to find out that that's kind of the norm. And that's that's really, really incredibly rare to be able to do something for free. That's it's wonderful. Yeah, yeah no, it's great. And, um, you know, I feel like it's changing a little bit now. There's there's becoming more and more pay to play courses. But for the most part, it doesn't matter where you live you should be able to find a a disc golf course within i would say 20 minutes of where you live now and go play for free yeah awesome man i what about um have you ever like built your own baskets to practice in like your backyard or or anything like that or is that it's you need to have more distance between you and the basket for that to really be worth it no i mean i have uh wherever i stay i always have a basket in my front yard and i constantly practice putting you know, I, th- I feel like uh, disc golf is the same as traditional golf to where putting is really the most important part. Yeah, that's where you can really reduce your strokes is by exactly. being a really yep. good putter. Interesting, man. I um, In the video that I watched of yours, or one of the videos I watched of yours, I should say, um, I saw that your, like one of your high school teachers, your high school principal or something, installed a a basket for you when you were in high school and you got really passionate about it is that is am i like saying that correctly that that, uh, that's how that happened yeah i i actually had a real uh the school that i went to was really small and i had a lot of support from from the school i mean they uh renewed my membership one year because there wasn't a lot of sports programs in the school that i went to at the time so they renewed my membership for the pdga uh, the year after I went to the first tournament, the, the world championships and they installed the basket behind our school to where when I was done with my homework, my lunch or whatever, I could go out and practice. And so I was constantly practicing even when I was at school. That's so cool, man. What, what wonderful people and what it, it's, it's so interesting to think about the way that all the dominoes fall in your life and like how you got to where you're at and how many things you needed to go the exact way that they went in order for them to go down. I always think about that with my marriage and like the fact that I even know my wife and you know, your wife is the number one uh, women's uh, disc golfer. So I imagine that, you know, you think about that too of like had maybe they that uh, you mentioned being a kid it's like and they they gave you the membership to uh the pdga as opposed to money it's like maybe had that not happened you wouldn't even be married to your wife today or something you know and it's like or had your principal in your school not done what he did then maybe you never would have continued on with the pdga or whatever it's um how wonderful yeah it's awesome man my uh i've been really really lucky with like you said, how everything's fallen into place for me. Love it. I just love it. Um, so talk about the um, the mental game versus like the physical game. How it being a, a like professional athlete, how much how much now when you're doing well versus not doing well, do you feel like is your skills and your technique or your luck or whatever versus just your your mindset? Yeah, I mean, the mental part is at the level that, um, you know, I'm competing at now is probably the most important part. Um, you know, I can throw uh, pretty much any shot that anybody else can throw. I can putt as good as anybody else, and it all has to do with how focused you are and 
you know, it's just like, uh, it's really compare. I compare it to traditional golf. I read a lot of mental books. Um, I listen to a lot of golf coaches. I listen to a lot of, um, uh, you know, interviews with, uh, professional golfers, Tiger Woods, Bubba Watson, whoever you can really get your hands on, because it's really the same. The game's played almost exactly the same. How, yeah, so I, I wondered this when I was watching uh, the the video, the video of, your, of a tournament that you did. Like, how is it defined being out of bounds and stuff? Because it's like the entire course looks like what would be out of bounds for a regular golf course. Right. Well, our fairways are usually a lot more narrow um, than, a, than like a traditional golf course uh, because our distance are measured in feet rather than yards. So our courses are definitely smaller. Mm. And so, uh, yeah, out of bounds is almost we play it almost the same as traditional golf to where when you go out of bounds in traditional golf, w- depending on where you went out of bounds, like if you go out of bounds in a hazard, you get two club lengths in and then you get to drop your ball. Whereas in disc golf, you get a meter in and then you can place your mini and then throw your shot. So our rules are almost directly um, related to traditional golf. Right, right. I got to come back to a question I asked earlier and I completely uh, forgot, (laughs) forgot to get an answer from you. Um, which is how long does it take to play around? Like a usual golf round would take about four hours. Um, what are you looking at for a, a round of frisbee golf or disc golf? Yeah, it depends on. It really depends on what course you play. But for the most part, I'd say under two hours, probably, depending on how many people you have. Um, if you're by yourself, I would say you can play around in under an hour and a half, probably, on most courses. Um, if you have three or four people, two two and a half hours. Man, that uh, that's awesome. Um, let's. Uh, do you want to try to tackle some of the technique stuff again, or you think that it's really too hard to give <laughs> to to uh, get any of that across on audio? You you know, I think it would be best if I explained maybe what to look up. Yeah, totally. Let's do that. Let's give people some advice. That way, I'm not sitting here explaining how my body works. Um, there's three very important things. The first one is your run up. And I would look up on YouTube, I would look up the X step for disc golf. And that's the movement that your feet have to make in order to generate as much power as you can. Okay. Um, the next thing is going to be your grip, what grip you need to use to be doing it also. And then the last thing would be just look up pro tips, I think. And that'll give you a nice little basis of what you should be looking up in order to progress your disc golf game for further. Paul, if you wouldn't mind, or if you can think of anything off the bat, if you could um, send me a, a, like a few links of any people that you think are doing like the best examples of any of these things, and I'll go ahead and put those up on the Half Hour Intern website for everyone to to check out. Otherwise, people might be getting you know bad advice or something and not knowing it. Um, if right. there is I would anyone love that... to do that, absolutely, sweet man. Um, so yeah, we'll put those up on the website and people can uh, people can check that out. Back to the uh, the beginning of the interview, I mentioned the the old man that needed to go past me the other day, um, and he yeah. had like you know twelve discs or something in a bag, and I you know my set came with three. It had a putter, a long distance, and a mid range one, and. I noticed that when I throw any three of them, they all go the exact same distance. Like when I'm throwing the putter, (laughs) it goes the same distance as the driver. And I uh, obviously attribute that to my technique and not having any technique. Um, Is there any need to have like a dozen discs like this guy had? Um, Not not necessarily as a beginner, but like at any level, or is this guy just like really excited about disc golf and therefore he got 12 uh you know different discs i mean golf is very much that same way like you'll see guys on the golf course that have like 25 clubs in their bag you know right no uh there's definitely a need for it uh the better you get the more in tune with your disc golf bag you will get um the harder you throw the further you throw the disc will start acting different 
the flight characteristics will change over time also. Like in my bag, I have anywhere from 25 to 30 discs. Holy crap, that's crazy. Yeah, that I carry with me at all times, and they all do different stuff. And that's really the cool thing about disc golf is there are so many different ways that you can throw a shot. Um, There's You can roll them. Like you can actually throw them to where it flies in the air for a while and then it turns over and then turns into a roller. And that's like a very important shot in our game. There's different shots like called tomahawks and thumbers. And those are like overhands to where you would throw it like you were throwing a football and it'll do a flip. And then it's a good way to get like really high and over obstacles. Dang, that's so interesting. There's, yeah, there's ways that you can throw, like you would throw a backhand shot and it would go way left and high. Okay. And then at the peak of its height, it'll turn over and then want to go a hundred percent right. And so like the amount of shots that you can throw with this golf really makes it, um, that much cooler because you can really get the disc. Once you get to a certain level, you can get the disc to do pretty much whatever you want. That's interesting. So basically it becomes like there is a specific disc for every type of shot exactly. that you really want to yep. be doing. Like, um, you know, we can go, me and you can go to the golf course and we can hit shots and sure we can hit our slice or our fade or whatever. But when you watch Bubba Watson, he can hit shots that are just like out of this world that we could only dream of hitting. Yeah. And that's the same thing at the professional level that we can do, we can throw shots that people that would just blow people's minds. People would be like, I don't even know. I didn't even know that was possible. You know? Yeah. To an amateur, it's just going to look like an accident that you threw it that way, but you were actually, you know, making the Frisbee do that. Exactly. Like the first time I actually went to Phoenix and I had only been playing a few months and they wanted, I was getting so good that they wanted me to play with like the best player in Phoenix. His name was Dan Ginley. And so I got on his card and we were playing a round, a league round. And I remember him throwing a shot on the first hole and he threw it. And I had never seen somebody throw a roller on purpose, right? Like intentionally make it into a roller and not flying in the air. It was on the ground moving forward, right? Yeah. And it hit this root by the basket and jumped up and went through the chains and landed behind the basket, but he almost made it. That's <laughs> crazy. And I was like, at that time, you know, now I realize that that was very lucky, and he definitely didn't intentionally try and make it off the route. But as a beginner, I actually had thought that he meant to try and make it off of the route, and so my mind was just completely blown. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. That's crazy. Um, is this a uh, spectator sport, and does that change depending on what, so when you tour around, you go to different countries and everything, right? Absolutely, yeah. So does that change depending on what country you're in? I just um, released an episode this morning of the podcast. It was about ultra marathon running. And the guy talks about this one particular ultra marathon in Europe that he does. And I forget what country it's in. But um, he's like, it's really interesting because there's just spectators lined up for like hundreds of miles of this race um and he's like it's the only race that's like that and he's like i don't know what it is about the people in this country but you know they just love watching it is it kind of like that with disc golf where like you know you're huge in japan but nobody really cares about you in canada yeah it it, it's similar um in the states it it really depends on the tier of the tournament how big the tournament is um when i first started the galleries were very small and now if I'm playing a like a smaller tournament, like a B tier or something, the final round will have 30 to 40 spectators to where when I first started, there would be zero. At the big tournaments, like say the world championships, also I made the final nine in 2011. So I was one of the top four at the worlds in 2011 and we had a really big gallery. And then I made the final nine again in 2013 and the gallery, I would have to say, was over a thousand people. Whoa, damn! So the amount of people that are spectating has grown exponentially in the last few years. And we also play in Europe. We play a few majors in Europe a year. 
and there's this uh, tournament called the European Open. It's a major championship, and every single round, the lead card has, I would say, 500 to 1,000 people following them. It's really incredible. That's nuts, man. Um, yeah, in Europe right now, the sport is actually completely blowing up, especially in Finland. Um, yeah, there's uh, a lot of growth there as far as Finland's not very big. I think it's probably almost as big as Florida. Okay. But as a country, I think they have close to 500 courses. Damn, that's wild. Yeah. And so, like, Europe, disc golf is completely blowing up and all over the place. I mean, they have hundreds of tournaments a year. The States, you know, here in the States, it's more like uh, the big tournaments with the, with the huge galleries. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if the sport does continue to blow up, like where and how money funnels into the sport. Because I like I bought these three Innova discs and it wasn't even like the beginner set. Dude, they they had a beginner set of three discs for like twelve dollars or something for three discs. And I'm like, look, I'm not about to get the twelve dollar beginner set. So I got like a normal (laughs) set. And I want to say my my like normal good set was thirty five dollars for three discs. And I was just like, how, you know, like like golfers you know there's those prize pools are staggering at some golf tournaments you know and but with golf it's like one single golf club can cost five hundred dollars you know so it uh it makes sense that there's this this ability to pour in money when you're selling three discs for thirty dollars like i don't i yeah i um it's like i wonder how much these uh these prize pools can really be boosted you know yeah, I think, you know, when I think about it, I I try to compare it to skateboarding or snowboarding as far as like almost like a subculture, you know. Totally. Um like we compare ourselves to golf as far as our the way that we play our game. Um but I feel like the way that we're going to make a lot of money in the future is going to be from advertisement from you know, big sponsors like Coca-Cola or Red Bull getting involved. Um, and then the players will really get most of their money from sponsorship because still, I think if you go to a, a local skate competition, you're not you're not really making a lot of money. Yeah, totally. Well, you bring up a great point because, yeah, I mean, you buy it, it, that's a way better analogy because you buy one skateboard for you know you can get a complete skateboard for like a good complete skateboard for like a hundred bucks and that unless you freaking snap your deck or something is going to last you a couple years um absolutely and and the same with disc golf you buy a couple discs they're going to last you a long time depending on how much you play and also skate parks are free mostly yeah most of the time you can just go skate for free um and then the competitions like i said the price pool is very low but as soon as you get to the top level, those guys are making a lot of money off of endorsements. Yeah. Let's go ahead and, uh, and wind this down with a couple of, uh, of like advice related questions. So, uh, for one, what type of person do you think, uh, really should get into this hobby and would have like a great, great time doing it? Anybody. And, uh, and that's not just like a cliche answer. I really feel like, Anybody can play this game and enjoy it because there's no level, you know, it's not like you can, like you said, you can't just go out and all of a sudden you're not having fun with somebody that's really terrible. Like it's a, I guess it'd be like comparing it to going to the mini golf course and playing with somebody. It's almost funny to see people throw a bad shot (laughs) yeah totally good point like it's funny to see somebody with a with a putt at the mini golf course and lip out and the clown shooting it back at you it's (laughs) it's it's a similar feeling you know it's a really good time with your friends yeah to see and then the couple times that you actually throw good shots it's super addicting i mean it makes you want to do it again and and again and again i'm sure you had the same feelings when you first started throwing you're like man this is way harder than I thought. And then a couple times it probably flew similar to what you imagined and it made you want to do it again. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, 
so we'll put up those links to the te- you know whatever the best videos are that you think we'll we'll put those links up on the website for people to check out um but so rather than going over that for advice for a beginner um let's leave people off with advice for getting getting equipment and everything to get started like what kind of a startup cost should they be looking at uh where would you recommend they buy equipment and what would your equipment suggestions be um yes i have i actually have a really good website for people to go to it's called deuce squad.com and this will have everything from your starter packs to your advanced frisbees okay we'll put a link to that on the site as well is there a particular starter pack that you would really recommend um recommend that they get and like what kind of cost would people be looking at right well one thing that people really need to key in on i feel like if you're just starting off is making sure that you get a lighter disc or a lighter frisbee the heavier the disc is the faster it's going to want to get to the ground the lighter the disc is the more it's going to want to fly and so for beginners i really suggest that a starter cost exactly what you said you paid is a really good price 30 bucks for three discs that's great um really some good advice that i would give is to find a local shop by you um i would just uh wherever you're located i would google disc golf disc golf shop and usually something will pop up and then just go in there and usually there's somebody working there that can really help you out and point you in the right direction yeah so and let me uh add to that so i actually did that for san francisco and i i can't remember what happened in terms of if there was a an actual disc golf shop uh, disc golf shop here but like the main thing that came up was a skate shop that happened to sell um disc golf discs and that like that was like the number one rated thing on yelp was all these people talking about the knowledge that these guys in this skate shop had about disc golf so it might not necessarily be like a you know a a shop just for disc golf um even if you're in a small town there's probably going to be somewhere that that you know is carrying that stuff absolutely um well, dude, awesome, man. Uh, I appreciate all of the info and advice, and I can't wait to see your videos. And uh, yeah, I cannot recommend everyone more try it out because as you said, and as I already said, like there's just there's no barrier to entry, you know, and it's so cheap to get started, and then it's basically free to, to keep going. So why not? Absolutely. Take your family out. Take your friends. Take your girlfriend, your kids. Um, buy a couple discs and find your, your local park and I guarantee you'll have a blast. Awesome. Dude, Paul, thanks so much, man. We really appreciate it. No, thank you, Blake. And can't wait to see you guys on the disc golf course. Hey everyone, it's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode. Just wanted to give you all a quick reminder that if you have any ideas for the show, be that a person that you would like me to interview or just a topic that you would like me to cover on the show and you want me to track someone down, or if you have a question for an episode like today's or any other episode that you were kind of biting your tongue and wishing that I had asked, you can submit all that through my website on the submit your ideas link. And I will either track down an old guest to ask those questions for you or find that new guest that you want to hear from. Thanks so much.